Welcome to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast with Sakar Kauli. During this program, you will hear guest experts sharing their experiences, best practices, and market insights. We discuss investing in multifamily apartment complexes and how a busy professional can passively invest hassle-free in various opportunities. Your host, Sakar Kauli, owns millions of dollars of assets and has done thousands of value-add projects over 20 years now. So listen in for insights. Here's your host, Sakar Kauli. Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow Podcast. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of having uh, Mr. Scott Smith. Uh, Scott Smith is owner and CEO with Royal Legal Solutions. Uh, his company does uh, real estate, estate planning, syndications, uh, asset protections, and boy, the list of services go on and on. Uh, he is based in Austin, Texas. Uh, so far, he's uh, helped well over 15,000 clients, and currently his list of clients include a, an active uh, 3,000 members. So it is quite a big company with about 50 people on staff, and uh, welcome to the show, uh, Scott. Yeah, I appreciate you taking time today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's always a pleasure to be able to come on um, and just blow people's mind and make them drink information out of a water hose as fast as they possibly can. Awesome. Yeah, so if anybody's heard me before, you know that's what you're in store for. I, I love it. I love it. The way you things lay out and you have a unique vision towards how you approach things. Uh, so uh, give us a background, Scott. I, I know you enjoy real estate and helping uh, investors and you have a unique background as to how you got started with this. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I bought my first property actually while I was in law school and it was a transmission auto repair shop that I ended up uh, rehabbing the building and rebuilding the business over the course of two years. Flipped it to be able to graduate from law school without any debt. And that's when I fell in love originally with real estate. And after I graduated, I worked um, and doing what I thought was going to be my passion, which was in litigation. Um, mm -hmm. I was one of those attorneys that was suing insurance companies because they weren't paying claims. A lot of people believe that you have insurance, you're protected. Fact is, when really bad things happen, the first thing the insurance company does is deny the claim. Uh, immediately. So we were suing those people. Um, and uh, this is really great work. It's very rewarding. The only problem is that it's also very grueling. So I wanted to go back to my passion uh, for real estate. Uh, and I started helping real estate um, investors, you know, find, you know, find deals that I was getting involved with. And time and time again, they kept asking me, hey, Scott, what should I be doing to protect my assets? What should I be doing with my estate? Um, what should I be doing with using self-directed IRAs and solo 401ks to invest in syndications and other deals? Uh, and so slowly I just started helping them uh, until one guy came to me and he said, hey, listen, I got 55 properties and I need help to figure out what to do. I can't figure it. Here's a check for $10,000. Go figure it out and tell me what are all of the best things that I should be doing across the board. That's um, awesome. I took his money and three months later I came back to him and said, here is all of the best stuff you should be doing. And he said, this is so amazing. You need to go on Bigger Pockets um, and go share it with everybody. And that's what I immediately did. I'm on Bigger Pockets episode 109. Um, and it's a show that's blowing everybody's mind. And that's the launch of Royal Legal Solutions because what we do is we look at 
who is an investor as a person and what are all of the legal tax and business needs they have and we do them all in one house and our one-stop shop which nobody has done before so oh, that's awesome scott and that that's one of the unique things about your company is that you look at the person and their assets and watch different touch points uh, that they have uh, do you want to maybe describe as to how you have a unique way of uh, how you kind of go about it and, and uh, kind of tying your services and and how uh, you know it is educational for folks to understand that what it takes to protect different assets. I mean, I continuously find that uh, maybe newer investors uh, are okay, but when you start to collect a bit of traction and have a, a bunch of properties and you start getting some of the spooky calls that some tenants or what have you are uh, you know, looking for fishing things and stuff like that, that's when you start to get worried. And that's when I think law, it gets real for a lot of investors that, geez, I really need to you know, have an attorney on my back or have, make sure my things are structured properly and things like that. So could you please maybe describe how you kind of uh, uh, you know, look at these things and, and time the whole puzzle for us, please? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the first thing um, that's really important about what it is that we do that's really different is, is about whether you can just have insurance and be protected, right? Because if we could just all buy insurance and it was sufficient to protect all of us, you wouldn't need asset protection at all, right? right, right. Um, but I had a friend of mine who lost over $3 million from a single lawsuit. And if he had yeah. one LLC in place, he would have been totally protected. Right. Um, and that's why I do what I do now, which is I get free LLC, a free LLC to anybody that contacts us. And because, and the reason why is because one LLC is drastically better than nothing at all. Now, once you have say, well, I have one LLC, this is much better than having things in my personal name because if my insurance denies a coverage or whatnot, um, I'm still protected. So that's a mm -hmm. huge benefit. Now, mm -hmm. but what happens if you have um, multiple pieces of property or what happens if you have you know, children that you need to make sure that they're taken care of um, after, you, uh, after you pass? That's when we start looking and say, okay, great. Well, now your situation isn't so simple, right? So maybe we need to start looking at saying, you know, maybe a series LLC is going to be the way to do this for you. So you can have one bank account with one tax return and one EIN number, but have the maximum protections that scale at no additional cost. And we can take that series LLC and have it owned by a living trust of your estate plan to ensure that all of the assets pass to your children while avoiding probate. So that way, none of the bad, evil things that happen inside of a probate court process can ruin the inheritance that you're leaving to your children. And, and maybe you want to start using some tax saving structures like the self-directed self IRAs and solo 401ks uh, to be able to help fund the investments you want to make. A lot of people don't know about those and they're hugely advantageous. It's all upside and no downside when you look at uh, how to use those things. So that's what we're looking at. Awesome, awesome. And I know the panorama that you just described, each one can be a topic by itself, whether it's asset protection, series LLCs, solo 401k, oh my God, it's a gamut of things. So let, let's take it step by step, uh, step there, uh, Scott. Um, you described the series LLC. Uh, could you maybe explain our viewers uh, in quick terms what a series LLC is and why it is unique than a, a sort of a standalone unique uh, a, you know, LLC that we usually see? Yeah, so it has to do with what the old way is versus the new way. And then in the old way, what you would do is you would take one LLC uh, for every single property that you would own, every single investment you'd make. Why? Because if something went wrong with that investment, you know, you had a catastrophic lawsuit associated with it or insurance denied the coverage or whatnot, mm -hmm. um, you want that to be compartmentalized in one LLC. Uh, when you do it that way, um, that's, that way you can just lose that one asset, right, uh, whenever it comes up. 
the problem with that old way though is that it becomes expensive to file each individual LLC. Right. It also has um, some expense to maintain it. You're usually looking at filing fees um, that are a few hundred dollars uh, plus a couple hundred dollars uh, every year for each LLC that you create. Right. Um, and you're also looking um, to see what, how does that complicate your bookkeeping? How does it complicate your tax returns? How does it complicate your banking? So there's a lot of bad things that are drawbacks to individuals. Pretty complicated. <laughs> Ask me how I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just like everybody else, right? right. And, um, and so the solution to that one is the free, is the, uh, the, the series LLC, right? right. Um, the series LLC allows you to have one bank account with one tax return, one EIN numbers, one filing. Mm -hmm. Then what you can do with a series LLC that makes it special is you can create an individual child series of that series LLC right on your desktop with no filing. For legal purposes, it works just like an LLC. So essentially you can create LLCs for free on your desktop that don't cost you anything as you scale. Um, now, you can create these series LLCs in a number of different states and, and you can use them anywhere. They are just LLCs just like every other LLC out there. They just have a small caveat of what's called creating a series. And I think everybody is aware of that, right? Where you can create an, a Delaware LLC and use it anywhere else in the United States. It's the same thing uh, with a series LLC. But I tell you what, there's still people out there that say, well, you know what, I'm still unsure about the series LLC and I wanna go this LLC route. I say, well, first of all, we have a free LLC program. You might wanna use that first, right? Just mm -hmm. so that everybody can have, get asset protected with that at the very bare minimum. Mm -hmm. But for people that still want to create multiple LLCs, we also have an unlimited LLC program that we charge a few thousand dollars for, and then we'll create as many LLCs as you want for free, right? And that too. So that, but you gotta have the LLC protection in place. So a couple of questions there, Scott. That uh, one is like I know that series LLC, like a lot of states are, uh, you know, coming to recognition with it, right? Then you have several states that pr probably are not on the bandwagon of series LLCs. So let's say someone uh, has a series LLC in Delaware or Texas, for that matter, right? And they want to use that uh, sort of entity. Uh, into their own hometown uh, state, right? Where perhaps it may not be recognized. Uh, could you maybe elaborate how that works uh, from a standpoint of, uh, I guess, uh, someone wants to buy, let's say, a property into their, let's say, uh, you know, child C or child D, uh, like a fourth uh, child LLC into it. How does that process work? Like, is that legal uh, within their states where it's not uh, perhaps maybe recognized? Yeah, so there's a difference between recognition and formation, uh -huh. right? So, so every state recognizes LLCs across the board. Correct. Right. Uh -huh. They're going to recognize it everywhere and say, hey, we're going to enforce all of the LLC provisions here from Delaware, right? right. right. Um, the issue is that there's not a lot of case law that stands behind series LLCs to say mm -hmm. that we're definitely going to recognize series LLCs. But this is where we look at it and say, okay, well, all you're really doing with the series LLC is allowing individual LLC creation, which people can do anyway. So it's sure. not like this is a big loophole. This right. is really just to make it more streamlined. Right. Um, so, so typically what we do is we say, well, there's no good reason to think that there's anything that says they're not gonna uphold a series LLC. That's not what they've decided yet, right? I see. But it really has said that we haven't decided it yet, and you're not gonna see anybody challenge it, because it's already been around for 20 years, and nobody's decided to challenge it yet. So let's see, you know, you've just not seen people go after these, and if they did, they'd get huge paydays, and nobody's doing it. 
Um, but moreover, what we're doing with it is that we're typically not holding any assets directly in the name of the child series and any of the states that hold, are holding assets. What we're doing is we're using trust structures like land trusts or private property trusts that will hold, let's say, an Oklahoma piece of real estate inside mm -hmm. of that trust. That trust is in turn owned by a Texas series LLC or a Delaware series LLC or a Wyoming series LLC. Um, and that's the way that you're able to actually avoid having to pay foreign registration fees and yearly fees associated with the series LLCs in their states. I see. So, so, so just to make it clear, so you're saying the property uh, that uh, perhaps is in question, right? That's really owned by a trust and trust becomes the member of this uh, uh, LLC. So, so your first gate of defense, as I call it, uh, somebody trying to look up would be perhaps they will see the trust. That's where they probably, since it's probably, you know, a lot of these trusts are blind, they wouldn't see it. And then are you saying that this trust will be a uh, sort of a member on the operating agreement on the LLC? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, so the, the way it works is that the, um, the series LLC itself or the individual LLCs or the Delaware Statutory Trust, if you live in California and you want to mm -hmm. avoid franchise taxes, you'd use a DST. Um, the, all of those are going to provide the asset protection. Now what's gonna hold the individual asset itself is gonna be a trust. That trust is a term owned by the asset protection entity. The reason we use a trust is because we avoid a ton of fees, transfer taxes, et cetera, um, that end up happening with the asset. And the trust is anonymously owned. People will just see that a trust owns this piece of property. Um, who created a trust? Who created the LLCs? It was a law firm. So all that information is protected by the attorney-client privilege. That's mm -hmm. how you get high levels of anonymity. So if people search to find out what it is that you own and maybe think, hey, I want to sue this person or I'm just curious and they're really nosy and that bothers you. These are ways that you can accomplish that level of anonymity. The same thing applies to who owns the entity itself. Anything that appears of who owns anything will always relate back to a trust, and that trust is always related back to a law firm. So that way, you're always able to stay off of the public radar um, from, from people trying to find out what it is you own. Right. Awesome. And getting back to that topic of uh, series LLCs, uh, Scott, uh, each LLC, I assume, uh, since you said that it is an entity all by itself, right? So it can have, like, for example, uh, different LLCs can have different operating members and you can have a different structure. Would that, would that be a correct statement? Yeah, you can. Uh, technically, you're able to do it that way. And each LLC can have its own EIN number, its own bank account and its own tax return. I see. I see. So it, basically you're saying that the, uh, the child LLC can still uh, inherit the EIN from the parent LLC or if, uh, if need be, the child LLC can still have its own EIN depending on you know, what the situation is, right? Yeah. So if we have one uh, owner that says, hey, you know, uh, John, for example, has 10 properties, but each one of those goes into an individual child trust, an individual series of his series LLC. Mm -hmm. There's one EIN number at the, the place of the parent. All the income flows up into the, through that parent before mm -hmm. it goes to John for him to report it um, on the schedule E of his, of his tax return, for example, right? And, and that way he only has to maintain one bank account. But let's say John actually says, hey, I'm a flipper, and what I really want to do is I want to own all of these properties um, an individual um, child series, but I have different partners for each individual property that I have. Right. Well, in that case, you would have a different EIN number, an operating agreement that says, this is actually John and all of his partners own child series A, and a different group of partners owns child series B, B for example. Right. And each one of those can have their own EIN number and file their own tax return. So it's very, very flexible no matter what you're doing. Um, this is the structure that you would want to use. 
I see, I see. So uh, speaking of the asset protection and you know how different ways uh, real estate investors uh, kind of get in trouble, uh, could you maybe, uh, Scott, uh, give us an overview? Uh, I know there are like sometimes million ways um, uh, you know how people uh, can get in trouble, but uh, real estate investors in general, uh, could you maybe describe like some of the common ways uh, around which uh, real estate investors uh, kind of get, get in the trap of things with tenants uh, or, you know, run fall with law, basically. Yeah, so you're going to find that, that, they're get, um, that people that are in business for themselves or own businesses or real estate investors, uh, a lot of times get in trouble in the same types of ways. So the reason that you, you have an asset holding company like a series LLC uh, is to hold all the assets. So now that your assets are separated from you personally. So if anybody sues you for getting into a car wreck that exceeds the limits of liability of your car insurance policy or a breach of contract because you know you entered into a, a, a purchase for a piece of real estate or anything else and they come they want to come after you, um, they can't get to your assets. But the problem with that is it's just having an asset holding company um, and you operating personally is now if there's a lawsuit, they can't get to your money, but what they can do is destroy your credit which is real dollars in the long term. That's your financing, that's your ability to um, be able to transact business. Right. So what real estate investors should be doing, and the same thing that every business owner should be doing, um, is uh, creating an LLC as an operating company. It doesn't own anything, but it transacts all of their business. So if you're um, a real estate investor, what that is, that becomes your property management company. It hires mm -hmm. your contractors, collects your mm -hmm. rents, everything flows through that one LLC. That LLC then has a property management agreement with your asset holding company, just like every business would. And these things will hold up if they're ever attacked. Now, if you're a business owner, it's the same thing. You don't want to own, um, you know, you, you want to own all of your intellectual property, your website, any of the assets of your business in a separate asset holding company. Now, if you're signing contracts with providers, your employees, your contractors, whatever, that's a separate shell company that you operate through because you're anticipating people suing you for interacting with them in life. Um, and that's why we have this free LLC promotion and this free LLC offer for everybody because, well, if you want to use it for an asset holding company, you can use it for that. If you already have an asset holding company, you don't have an operating company, you can use it for that. And really just do that next brick into your portfolio what it is because you got to have both. You got to protect your assets and you got to protect your credit, which means you need an asset holding company and you need a completely separate shell operating company. I see. So it's fair to say, Scott, that the different bricks, as you described rightfully, the the layer that you have is better. So you can have an LLC holding the assets, but anytime uh, you come into contact with, let's say, tenants or different sellers uh, and things like that, the, you, we should really be operating off of a different operating LLC so that in case of any conflicts or any issues, it's really that shell LLC that uh, you know, for lack of a better word, that's uh, going to be at the courthouse, right? Yeah, that's right. So it's a shell LLC is the one that's going to take the full brunt um, of whatever that is, right? And so I get these calls every day from um, from people that are always asking me, you know, because my background is in litigation. I'm in suing insurance companies and I'm very active and very aggressive inside of the court system and know what really works with it and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, is you know, what happens when, when these lawsuits actually, you know, come to pass, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the things that we give to all of our clients in terms of ongoing support is what you really need is an attorney to talk to. Mm -hmm. That's the attorney that knows litigation when one of these things happens. Because right. I find a lot of people are taking advice from their CPAs or like their <laughs> attorney or something. And I like want to ask them, like, who are you going to call when you get sued? Maybe right. you should talk to the guy you're going to call when you get sued before it happens because you're right. 
Those other people ain't gonna know what to do, you know. So, um, but that's but that's the nuts and bolts. You need those things in place, and with those things in place, you can find that you'll get rid of lawsuits before they're ever filed because it just becomes too difficult for them to get to the money. I see. So a couple of then uh, questions uh, in that asset protection realm uh, there, Scott. Uh, there is this um, uh, thing called, you know, uh, the notion that LLC completely protects yourself, right? So sometimes, you know, LLC can be just completely a shell. Like if, let's say, for example, uh, you're sued in court, right? Uh, for something that's like really blatant and gross negligence, that's that can be completely proven, right? So there's this concept of charging orders that they can still pierce the wheel of LLC as they call it. And I have personally heard things like, if you structure your LLC, uh, meaning your members within your, your LLC, uh, in such a way that there is no clear path of how you get to a certain owner. And some of the uh, sort of the uh, thumb rules that they have given is that, oh, maybe involve some unrelated family members or unrelated parties so that there is no clear path as to whose assets uh, in case of a, uh, uh, you know, piercing the wheel of LLC, if, if that happens, uh, you know, there's no clear path uh, who they, they can go after. Could you maybe elaborate on how that works or, you know, whether that's true or not and things like that? Yeah, so what you're looking for when you're looking at LLC protection is that not LLCs are all made equal, right? Mm -hmm. So um, California LLCs, for example, don't provide any protection at all. If I sue you, I can just go and take all the ownership interest of your LLC. Mm -hmm. And so they're almost worthless in California right. for that purpose. So what you need to do is create LLCs that have strong charging order protections. Mm -hmm. um, where are you going to find that in Delaware, Texas, Nevada, and Wyoming? right? Mm -hmm. All of those states also offer series LLCs, and, um, but you're going to want to form even your traditional LLCs in one of those four states. The reason I use Texas is not just because I live here. I can form these things anywhere I want to. It's because Texas has no annual costs like other uh, states do, so there's some cost savings associated with it. But the reason that you want to form there is because when you form in a state that has charging order protection, what it allows you to do is um, they can sue you as much as they want personally, um, and maybe they hurt your credit, but they can't take your ownership interest in your LLC. Um, now that becomes really important. Uh, and, and the second factor to that, which is what are the requirements uh, that the state has uh, for the members of the LLC? So there's some states like Florida that if it's a single uh, member um, and it is a Florida LLC that you form in Florida that has a single member, um, a lot of times they won't provide much protection at all, right? You need to have a second unassociated member with that LLC. Mm -hmm. But my point is, why would you ever form in Florida? Why don't you form in a state like Texas who you can have a single member and it doesn't matter. Texas still says these are strong LLCs. If you screw up on your accounting records or your operating agreement in something in Texas, they let you fix it after the fact, after you're sued. So you don't have to be perfect because they're always going to let you fix it. You don't have to pay any annual fees with it. Has charging order protection. So why not form in Texas and then use it in Florida? Because Florida will then have to look to the Texas laws to say, what is this LLC protect from? So that's why it becomes, it pays to be able to use people that actually have that subject matter expertise in these areas. Because then you don't, you're saying, hey, I want an LLC. But you didn't, you know, you don't know all the I's and dot cross and all the T's, right? Right, um, right. That, then that, that's why the, those are the types of professionals that I recommend everybody hire, whether it's going to be your insurance, your, your attorney, your CPA, et cetera. 
That's awesome, Scott. You added a lot of value just by just by uh, just by that clarification. Uh, just so that we are clear, uh, there, Scott, you said. Uh, in Texas, you can form an LLC. You basically have your initial filing fees and things like that. And then annually, like all other states have their maintenance requirements that you pay generally $300 to $400 to maintain these LLCs. So are you saying that those annual maintenance costs are not there in Texas? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, there's no annual cost in Texas to be able to do it, right? So if you're, you're, the only things that you have to do in Texas is you have to have a registered agent on Texas, like you have to do for any LLC, and you have to submit a yearly report uh, sure. about the LLC and like how much money it made. There's no taxes unless you make over a million dollars, but both of those are free. There's, you don't have to pay anybody. You could pay somebody to do them, but you don't have to. Right, right. Because sometimes, you know, as many investors are coming on board and getting their businesses started and things like that, these annual fees, are, I mean, I have heard a lot of, uh, uh, you know, investors complaining that, geez, you know, uh, here we go. Like I have five LLCs. I didn't know that, uh, you know, there are uh, not only the initial setup costs, but there are annual maintenance costs. So, uh, you know, a lot of investors sometimes mistakenly start to create uh, LLC for each property, or perhaps they'll buy two properties, then suddenly have, uh, you know, different LLCs that they form. And at the end of the year, they're looking at, you know, like a massive $2,000 bill, which they didn't anticipate, right? So in, in, in that case, I think Texas, uh, I think what you just stated, uh, I think can be really powerful actually. Yeah, I, th I think that they're really important to have cost savings. Um, mm -hmm. Number one is we gotta watch our money because the mo less money I can spend in my overhead, the more money I can put back into my business to grow my business faster, right? So right, we, gotta be right. really, we gotta be money conscious about where we're putting our money. Right. We also have to be time conscious. So there's a lot of these things that I could do myself, right? But sure. I'm not going to because I'm actually going to use that energy into another part of my sure. business. So sure. maybe for some of these low cost things that are like, okay, I might forget about it or whatever, right. then I'm going to outsource that to somebody else. Um, but the, the key piece to underline here in terms of like overall value is I can't stress it enough to always hire professionals to help you that know your particular business, that they Absolutely. have made money the same way you make money. Sure. Because what that gives you is not only saying, here's what you like the efficiencies, like here's exactly sure. what it is you need. You're not going to overbuy, you're not going to underbuy, right. but also to be able to know um, that that what it is um, that they're going to, the advice they're going to be giving you is particular to be able to grow your particular plan uh, of what it is. So I, I just say that you need that for your attorney, you need it for your CPA, and you also need it for whoever your deal maker is, whoever's going to be out there sourcing the deals. That you're doing. Right, right, right. No, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, you know, go with the right professionals in that area right from the get go. I mean, it's, you, you don't want to be like, you know, half baked and then find out, oh, geez, you could have done something different, uh, you know, from the start. And that, that's well said. Uh, now, speaking of Scott uh, Trust, you know, could you maybe give us an overview as to, you know, what the history of trust is? And I know there are a lot of properties that get held in trust and, you know, there's land trust. They usually they'll say that, oh, trust is as blind as it gets and things like that, right? So could you maybe tell our listeners, uh, like, you know, what exactly is a trust and what benefit it uh, brings to us? Yeah, so the, 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 there's two different types of trusts that hit most all investors of like the ones that they actually have to have to know about. Um, the first trust is an anonymity trust, mm -hmm. um, which it's typically what you can refer to as a land trust or a private property trust. And what those trusts are doing are just holding pieces of property to be able to remove 
the names from the public record. Um, and that's for protection purposes. So everybody that comes in to Royal Legal Solutions, uh, we would do a security audit for them to show them, here's the tools that we use, that private investigators use, and that I use as a litigator to find out whether somebody is a good candidate for us to be able to sue. Mm-hmm. Because why go after somebody if you can't um, get to their assets? A, a judgment itself is worthless, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we use those types of anonymity trusts. And I build that in for my clients to show them, hey, this is the before and after effect that we have here. And I'm a litigant. I can show you this how this works. Mm-hmm. The second type of trust um, that we need to be, everybody needs to be using is what's called a living trust as part of your estate plan. Now, those living trusts, what they do is, is you have your asset holding company. Your asset holding company is owned by your living trust. And the reason living trusts are created is because when you die, everything is immediately passed to your heirs and it doesn't go through the court. So it's not part of the public record of who got what and how much there was there. Because mm-hmm. then you can essentially just create a target on your kid's back for people knowing, hey, this is a bunch of money here that I can go after. Or people filing claims against your estate of like, oh, he owes me $50,000. And guess what? You just died. So what are your kids going to do? They're just going to pay that person off because it's too much of a hassle. And this happens every day. It's horrible that it happens. But you have to use the living trust with that in combination with the will. The great things, too, about living trust is they're highly flexible. So you can do things in your living trust like, hey, I want to make sure that um, uh, my kids, are, that this is a legacy trust. And they call those dynasty trusts. So only so much money gets distributed out and it gets passed from one generation to the next. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can create these trusts um, so that they're actually Medicaid protected. Uh, it's often referred to as a Medicaid asset protection trust. So if you're between the ages of 50 and 55, what you need to do is to go ahead and move all of your assets into a Medicaid asset protection trust as part of your asset protection plan. And what that does is it makes it so that when you um, turn retirement age, um, you can start using Medicaid for all of your medical services. If you don't have this trust in place, what happens when you go for services, you have to deplete all of your own resources first before being a, before the government will help you. But if you take this extra planning step at least five years in advance, what will happen is, is you can start using those government resources right away and none of your assets actually get touched. Awesome. So there's lots of intricacies that come into here, which is what we do in consultations with people. We look at the full breadth of, here's everything you have going on in your life, and here's all the best strategies that we know about. You might not want to implement all of them right now, but you're now you're going to know that they exist and how they work cohesively and something you can build over time. That's awesome, value. Just to bold and underline what you just said there, Scott, did you just say that this Medicare trust has to be sort of established five years before, meaning this kind of that seasoning requirement? Yeah, and so, there's a seasoning requirement to it. It has to be done at least five years before. The great news is, huh. is everybody can just do it now. I and see. then you don't even have to worry about it coming up later on in life, right? So I see. Time these things perfectly, but yeah, you have to do it at least five years before you start uh, trying to draw on Medicaid. Otherwise, they call it a clawback. They'll go back and then say, "Oh, that transfer didn't count. We're going to take all of those assets back." I see. So I see. So in that case, uh, if you have the let's say uh, five years into your uh, Medicare trust, so technically you can still keep your personal savings aside. Don't have to use this for all your medical purposes, but right away leverage uh, Medicare help uh, uh, if you have that uh, Medicare trust. Uh, would that be a correct statement? Yeah, that's right. If you get it in and you get it in before the five years, you can start using the government resources resources to take care of your health instead of having to use your own. And when you when you do that, right, that leaves you more flexibility for what, how to live a, a higher quality lifestyle and leave more to your heirs. Awesome, awesome. 
man, I wish I had this podcast for more, more, more duration because you're just giving such great content here, Scott. I just love this. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> you'll have to come on the live shows that we have coming on. I'm having shows on real estate, on wealth building, on entrepreneurship and growth that we're doing every single day um, from Royal Legal Solutions. So I'd love to have you on that show and share more with you there. I absolutely love that. Uh, please tell our listeners, Scott, I know you have your own podcast. Uh, let, let's uh, please tell us the name, how, uh, you know, which different topics you discuss and things like that. Please, please go ahead. Yeah. So we have a real estate nerds podcast is where we talk to investors about their best deals and worst deals and trying to get in the mindset of the best investors right. um, and learn what are the principles that lead to best deals. And so, and also learning from other people's mistakes with the worst deals. Um, what we have launching in, it's actually starting. It's already, it'll already be running by the time this podcast um, gets published. Right. Um, and you'll be able to find out from the royallegalsolutions.com website. Um, is that each day, we're going to have Mondays, we're going to be talking an hour long on single family. Tuesday, multifamily. Wednesday is going to be entrepreneurship. Thursday is general wealth building. That's outside of real estate and outside the norm and outside of just business. It's the best principles that I've been able to find from the richest people I know. How do you build long-term wealth? Sure. And on Fridays, what we're doing is we're going to be doing a growth piece. What are all the pieces that, are, that aren't just the business mechanics and aren't just the wealth mechanics? What are all of the other things that we need to be focused on to live the best lives we can and be as you know, strong and uh, bountiful in, in what we have uh, as possible? That's awesome. That's awesome. And I, and I love the fact that you have the professional background into these things and just knowing your profession there, Scott, that you come in contact with so many successful investors who are, uh, you know, at uh, all different levels, but you know, the advanced people are into it, uh, you know, the more experienced they are into it, the amount of strategies we all learn from each other as to, you know, what they've experienced, what it was. I mean, today we find it, it's pretty interesting that we complain that, oh, there was, you know, uh, five and a half uh, interest rate, but I have come across many investors where it was tough for them because the interest rate at the time was like 18, 19, 20%. And they still grew their businesses through those times. So if we compare and contrast some of those things, it puts into perspective as to, you know, what age we live in, how grateful we are with the amount of real estate and in the low interest rate, especially the environment. It's, uh, I, I can't be, you know, truly blessed that, uh, you know, we are in this uh, low interest rate and we can still, uh, you know, uh, be in this information age, as I call it, that you can be on podcasts, learn from different people. So I truly appreciate uh, here uh, these things, uh, Scott. A couple of last questions here. Um, I know in our show uh, at the podcast, we talk about, you know, multifamily syndications and, uh, you know, different uh, avenues that uh, passive investors can uh, contribute uh, their uh, investments into real estate. Uh, and I know uh, uh, retirement accounts are a great avenue as to how somebody can contribute and greatly benefit. Uh, could you maybe describe us different ways as to how, uh, you know, people can use their retirement account, how they can set up the account, what different uh, uh, sort of aspects are involved uh, when you invest uh, your money into syndications using your retirement account? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the syndication investor doesn't doesn't need a use of like a series LLC because typically they don't own individual hard assets like everybody else does. So typically um, what they'll do is just have a, um, a, a normal traditional LLC um, that's owned by their living trust as part of their estate plan. And then all of the investments they make in their life are just made out of the LLC. The reason that's important is because then if something happens to them personally, they can't get to all of the syndication investments um, that, are, that, that that person owns, right? Mm -hmm. Now the question becomes is how do people move money 
um, and into these different deals and then how are they holding those investments and that's where self-directed IRAs and solo 401ks come into a big play because with the solo 401ks you can contribute a little bit more than $50,000 each year from your non-W2 income um, into that solo 401k. Um, we set those up at Royal Legal and um, we also help everybody with all of the aspects with that. But the reason that those are great is because you can then take those pre-tax dollars, right? That extra 25% above the capital you would ever have, right? Because you're, you're getting, you're investing with before taxes come out. And you can push those into all these different deals that you want to uh, get, uh, be involved in. Um, and then that increases your returns uh, significantly just by having more cash to invest. So your overall sure. returns now skyrocket. Um, now, some people come and say, well, I have all these in my retirement accounts. What if I actually need the money? And this is where a solo 401k becomes so powerful is because you can actually loan yourself back up to half of the value of the solo 401k and you have five years to pay it. So you're, it's almost like having this, this pre-tax piggy bank um, sure. that you can then turn around and use both to make investments um, for your long-term retirement and also for your immediate cash, um, cash needs. And I've even had some people say, Scott, what do I do? Because 50% might not be enough. What happens if I actually need all of the money that mm -hmm. came out of there? And I said, well, you know, in that case, what you might want to do is talk to your buddy, John. Your buddy, John, is also a syndication investor. And he also has a solo 401k. And you guys might decide to do is loan each other the money. Oh, interesting. Your solo 401k and he'll loan it out of your solo 401k. And now you actually have access to all of your cash and pre-tax dollars. So you have five years to repay. That's cheaper than a credit card, cheaper than anything else. That's pretty creative, actually. <laughs> yeah. But that's kind of what we specialize in, right? It's because oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Problems to know. These are all of the things that the over 3,000 clients that we have all over the country um, in every different asset class, these are the things they run into. So we're absolutely kind of the hub for all of the best strategies that everybody is using. No, awesome. This is awesome. So uh, a couple of quick questions there, Scott. What are sort of the costs involved in setting up that account? Uh, I mean, you know, what sort of legal framework is needed for that? Yeah, so we are we give away the free LLCs to everybody. That's one sure. part. That's a component that you have to have for this. Right. Um, so you have to you get a free LLC um, up and running, um, and then what you have to set up the solo four web case. You're typically um, depending upon the complexity um, that you're running into. You're usually looking at twelve to fourteen hundred dollars um, to get that set up, and it's usually um, two to three hundred dollars a year in annual costs. Mm -hmm. um, those entities. So I see. I see. But the, overall, the, the cost savings to be able to channel in the pre-tax sure. dollars is, mm -hmm. is huge. I know, I know. That, that's, that, that's perfectly reasonable cost, actually. That's not bad at all. So uh, this is a lot of good information, Scott. I would, uh, you know, request you to definitely, uh, you know, come on a future uh, edition of uh, our podcast back again on a separate topic that we can delve into some uh, uh, other juicy topics as well. So uh, please tell our listeners how they can uh, find you. Yeah, so the best way to find us is at royallegalsolutions.com. Um, that's where we have a ton of eBooks on there, like the top 10 things you need to know about asset protection. Um, has a, has, we have a, a chat bot in there that we, uh, it's not a bot, it's actually a live person. Um, that you can ask any question you want to, and that goes directly to some of my staff members mm -hmm. about it. I think we're gonna have here in the show notes a link directly to the free LLC program um, that we have up and running. Um, so that's a great way to get connected to us and be able to just get enrolled in the newsletter and find out here's all the shows that we have going on. Um, or you can call us at 512-757-3994. 
That's awesome. And listeners can additionally also find us and all the different episodes of our podcast as premiumcashflow.com. Uh, we always, uh, you know, love to host uh, educated experts like uh, Scott and offer a lot of educational content uh, that people can learn about syndications and different news and multifamily investment happenings. So always tune into uh, premiumcashflow.com for all that great content. It's been a pleasure having you, Scott. Uh, I would, uh, as I said, I'd love to have you again back on. Uh, so it's, it's, it was great to have you today. Thank you so much for taking time. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates, research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest.